0: You're listening to the
2: Vox Media podcast network.
3: Welcome back to The Fighter versus The Writer. I am your host as always, I am Damon Martin, and today it's a guy I've wanted to have him on the show for a while because he's one of the brightest minds in our sport, and he's also a big star now. He's in the new HBO series Hacks. I mean, he's got all this stuff going on. He's a triathlete, and he's also one of the best commentators in all the mixed martial arts, and I'm so happy to welcome in today my good friend,
4: the Irish Dragon, Paul Felder. Paul, welcome in. How are you? I'm great, man. Thank you. Um, I was just telling you earlier, we had some mix-ups with our groceries. Other than that, it's been a great day today. Uh, yeah, yeah.
3: It's uh, it's great to have you in. So what we're going to be doing today, of course, we are now into the new year. It is 2022, and there's so much to look forward to, of course, with MMA and the UFC coming up this year. It's been kind of weird. We've been off for a couple of weeks now with no fights, and it's almost bizarre. Like, I've had a couple of Saturdays off, and I'm like, I don't recognize this world I'm living in right now where I don't have <laughs> things to do on Saturday night.
4: It does feel weird, doesn't it? Even for me, I'm like, I, you know, obviously, I'm keeping myself occupied, but, yeah, same here. To not have to go to work. And not just because it's a pay-per-view or something like that. Usually, I mean, there's not too many weeks that go by where I don't have a fight either. I just worked one or I'm about to work one in a week or I'm about to work at least a couple in a row. So to have this long of a break has been uh, refreshing, but also, yeah, odd. I'm uh, I'm finding myself uh, looking forward to getting back to work for sure this year. Yeah, I'm you've – You've
3: done such a phenomenal job with commentary. Let me start right there in terms of what you've transitioned into doing. I know we've talked before about this, but, you know, you and, and you know, I, I call out Michael Bisping all the time and, and Daniel Cormier and all the other guys, but I think you guys have really separated yourself and become the best of the best in what you do with commentary. And I know you see it on Twitter. I know you see it, you know, in, in comments and things like that. But just to be honest, man, I think you really have become one of the best in the world doing what you do. And I look forward to every broadcast where you're calling fights because, I know I'm going to learn something and it's just fun to listen to you do your thing.
4: Man, I appreciate that. And that's all I'm trying to do. I don't pretend to know everything. I don't, you know, I, I, I admit my ignorance in situations, which is, I think important. You know, I really try to make the fighters shine. I try to, to give the fans and, and people at home, even somebody like you who knows the sport really well, but maybe, doesn't know what it's like to be inside the octagon i really try to paint that picture for people of exactly what it's like in those situations from the stress levels to the lights the cameras the people around and just make it clear what they're going through what they need to do and what separates the best men and women from the people that never get to that point it's a challenging sport it really is and having done other sports now and done some things it's it makes me appreciate what the athletes in mixed martial arts do even more every time I get to call the fight. So I, I appreciate that. Thank you.
3: And, and I do appreciate also, you did give me the accidental shout out last year when you were calling Damon Jackson's fight and you called him Damon Martin. I was very, very appreciative of that. I was like, I feel like I've made my mark on the sport somehow the poor Damon. I actually joked with Damon Jackson about, it. I was like, I'm sorry. They called you my name, but I appreciate the shout out, even if it was an accident.
4: Did you tweet about it, Dorian? I did, during?
3: yeah, I, yeah, I did. I tweeted about it. I was laughing because I got tagged so many times on Twitter, like, hey, you're fighting right now. I was like, dude, you have no idea what it's like. I'm tweeting and fighting at the same time.
4: Tweeting, tweeting, fighting, doing podcasts, doing doing all kinds of comment. It's it's a challenging job that you have. But, uh, <laughs> it's, it's amazing that you were able to, to keep your composure inside of the octagon while doing it. Yeah, obviously, right? I, I know you. I've talked to you many times, so you're, I, your name popped up into my head and –
3: don't feel bad. Joe Rogan did it two years ago, back when I think Damon Jackson's first stint in the UFC a few years ago, he called him Damon Martin too. So I was very, I'm very proud that I've somehow like embedded myself into all your heads out there. So I'm very excited okay. about that.
4: I'm good. I'm glad we, we <laughs> can get you some more shine. The more shine right. we can get, you, the better for you, right? It's not, it's not uh,
3: gonna hurt. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Uh Paul, we got a lot to talk about. 2022 is underway. We're going to kick things off. Uh, coming up in a matter of days now, a fight card you're going to be calling Giga Chikaze and Calvin Cater. Phenomenal fight. We're going to roll right into that with Francis Ngannou defending his title. Unification bat, I should say, with Surreal Gone. We know a lot of fights have been booked. There's a lot of fights coming up, a lot of rumors. Uh, so I'm going to open things up first with a question. We'll both give our opinions here. But, but you know, out of the fights that are out there that we know are happening in 2022, and again, the UFC books a lot of stuff ahead of time. We already hear about these kind of things. What, yeah. in your opinion, what what is the fight right now that we know is happening? What is the fight you're most excited about right now in 2022 so far?
4: Well, mm, I mean, I, I'm always most excited about my former division, right? So, anytime there's lightweights on, on the marquee is when I'm intrigued. So, Benil Dariush and Islam is really a fight that 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 I I. I wanna know what's gonna happen because they're both such phenomenal grapplers. Both guys are completely deserving. Right now, if everything fell apart and you just gave one of them a shot at the title instead of Gaethje, I would be like, you know what? I can't argue it. They don't deserve it, but if Gaethje would have hurt, it's one of these guys that we're calling, right, to get this the title shot. And to see somebody like Benil, who at one point you know was back and forth, couldn't quite string it back together he was he was up in the top fifteen for a while, then he was out of there, and now he's finally just crushed his way back in um me and Michael kiesa had him on our little uh podcast that we do on roundup, and he's just a great guy, and Islam is obviously an absolute savage and and I'm just curious to see how that wrestling versus his jiu-jitsu versus Benil's wrestling, which has always been a strong point for him as well and then I mean, the heavyweight as well, heavyweights. I, I, I got to see this Cyril gone and um, Francis Ngannou because we've seen the sparring footage, right? There's been a little bit of leaked stuff going on there. How much stock do you put into that? What's going on in, in, in those sparring situations? How tired is Francis? How many rounds had they done? There's so many questions that are unanswered, and uh, we're going to get to know that one really soon. But that that for sure does Really piqued my interest. I know Eric nixick very well. He's a very good friend of mine. He's been coaching Francis, so anytime one of his guys are getting a big headline spot or the champion of the world, uh, you know, I- I'm interested. So those two stick out right off the bat.
3: Yeah, I'm with you on Engano and Gon. I mean, of course, I'm with you on the other one as well. But there's so, that's such an intriguing heavyweight title fight. It's yeah. so crazy how far we've gone from what we thought we were going to see when Francis defeated Stipe to become champion. We thought, well, it's going to be him. And well, we thought maybe it was going to be him and Stepe again. Then we yep. thought it was going to be him and John Jones. Then we thought it was going to be him and Derek Lewis. And now here we are. And I'll be honest. And I, and I said this to, I talked to Eric last week, funny enough. And I talked to Fernand Lopez as well. And I said, honestly, I think Cyril gone could objectively be a tougher matchup than either of those. Cause with John Jones, as talented as he is. And I think John Jones, I've called him the greatest of all time. We still don't know what he's going to be at heavyweight. We can't deny. We yep. just don't know. There's still questions. And, you know, and, and you look at, you look at, uh you know, Steve or any other fights that are out there. uh, You know, I, I again, Francis would be favored. I think Cyril gone might be the toughest possible matchup for him based on his speed, based on his movement and based on his defense. I mean, I think defense, is what makes this fight so dangerous for Francis because we just don't see Cyril Ghan get hit. Now we yeah. know Francis you know we know Francis barely has to flick you and you can fall over, but it's really interesting, can he if he goes in the third and fourth round, can he continue to push the pace? I mean, this is such a fascinating fight. Like I think now on the odds it's a pick'em, you know, pretty much dead down the even. Um I can't argue with that. I can't argue with the odds saying it's a dead even fight.
4: Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting, man, because they have history, so that already makes things interesting. And sparring is sparring. We all know that as fans, we've got to just kind of you know brush that to the side and we can't think about it. But as fighters, that's easier said than done anytime you've shared the room with somebody and they've gotten an advantage of you or you've gotten an advantage of them, you're going to feel a certain way when you enter the octagon, no matter how many years have passed or months or whatever it is, something is left there. An impression has been left in your mind on how you handled those situations when you were in them against that person. So I'm curious to see how that affects Francis, because I don't, I don't, Cyril Gon strikes me as a guy who's very cerebral He's very calculated. He's very technical in his approach. If he's going to have a boring fight and it means he's going to get a decision, he's a smart fighter. He doesn't give an F what we think is the crowd. He'll he'll address it afterwards, right? He even did it after his one fight when he says, I know this one's not going to be the most exciting in history, but he got he got it done. He's not afraid to do that. But like you said, Francis Ngano is one of those guys. He's probably the most just lethal venomous striker that there is if he just touches you at all on the chin you're probably going to get knocked out there's no question about it and he's been working with eric i'm curious to see what the game plan is going to be because i i know that francis can knock cyril Gan out and cyril Gan can probably knock francis out but how are they going to approach it is it going to be exciting is it going to be a a technical chess match we'll find out but yeah there's a lot of variables at play. Does Francis get tentative because he sparred him before and he knows how technical that guy is? Does he get reckless because he wants to just go in there and take his head off and get caught with some stuff? It's a very interesting, fight.
3: Yeah, it's a really intriguing fight. And you mentioned, of course, Benil Dariush and uh, Islam Makachev, same thing right there. You know, it's so funny. Yeah. We all kind of we all kind of got lost in the Islam hype, you know, towards the end of the year, and rightfully so. He earned all the hype he got. But we all kind of forgot a little bit about Benil. And I talked to Benil right after that fight got booked. And he's like, you know, it's a little, little frustrating. I kind of got lost in the mix and people kind of stopped mentioning my name. Uh, But this is such a fantastic fight. You couldn't ask for a better number one contenders fight. I mean, of course, if Gaethje is going to get Charles Oliveira, and I love that fight. uh, You couldn't ask for a better number one contenders fight between these two guys on hot streaks. Islam with the wrestling and, and you look at Benil. I mean, his wrestling is no sluts. Look what he did to Tony Ferguson. You know, look what he's done on the feet. I mean, this is a really intriguing matchup and I think, and I don't mean this to take anything away from Islam Makhachev. I'm a massive fan of that guy, but to me, this is by far his biggest test. I mean, it's not even close. I like Dan Hooker as much as anybody, but yeah. Benil Dariush is by far his toughest test right now. We're going to find out if Islam Makachev really is the next guy.
4: Yeah, you're right. This is, I mean, by far, right. This is the guy, this is the finally, and and again, we got to preface that right because it's not at the fault of Makashev that this is his hardest challenge. He's wanted the guys he's been calling for all the guys. He's wanted everybody that's been ranked and anybody that's been ranked. It didn't work out that way because of where his ranking was and, Certain guys didn't want that fight. And a lot of politics, we know how the fight game is. It happens. And it's not at anybody's fault necessarily. But a lot of guys didn't want to fight him or couldn't fight him or didn't want to fight him because of his ranking. And now, finally, he's in a position where he's got a great number next to his name. And respect has been put on his name, especially by the UFC saying, listen, this guy's right there. He's potentially next in line for a title shot. But they just don't feel it's justified quite yet. He's got to fight at least another top contender. Boom. Enter. Benil Dariush, who's also like, wait a minute, he he's been on an absolute streak. So it's th- this is where the lightweight division is, in my opinion, the best division. It's because of scenarios like this, where you've got these guys that are on these types of win streaks, and a guy like Islam who could barely even get ranked, who's on like a nine fight win streak, and a guy like Benil who's beating everybody, can't even get a, a ranked opponent himself, and now they're fighting each other to see if they're even potentially maybe next in line for the belt. That's how stacked the lightweight division is. So when people argue which division, and you could of course argue many other division, but that's my opinion why this division is the best because look at these two guys fighting each other. They're just barely able to get a fight night in other divisions to have the win streaks that these guys have. You are the champion. You're the champion and maybe have been a reigning champion if you're a heavyweight
3: hundred percent. It's crazy how stacked that division is. And it just, I mean, one to 10. I mean, like I said, I think, you know, you could argue there's guys, you know, ranked nine, 10 right now, who could be threats. Look at what Matus Gamrod just did. I mean, that guy's like, you know, not barely just not in the top 15. That guy's a beast. So yeah, so much talent, that division, um, as we move forward, looking at 2022, of course, we already know a couple of title fights are booked. We talked about Francis Ngannou and Cyril gone. We know Israel Adesanya is going to be fighting Robert Whitaker coming up in February. But yeah. one thing I wanted to do is we go down divisions. Now I'm not going to disrespect Surreal Ghan and or Robert Whitaker by putting them in this equation because they're already fighting for the title. But I want to go down list but I want to go down division by division here and kind of pick who we believe are going to be the biggest threats to each particular champion in their division. Some people have number one contenders, other people don't. Uh so I want to start at light heavyweight, because we already know Surreal Ghan technically is going to be the biggest threat to Francis and Ghana because they're fighting on January twenty second. You look at light heavyweight. We know Glover Teixeira is the champion. It looks like Yuri Perhosh is going to be the number one contender. Not a done deal yet, but we assume that's going to be. But, of course, you've got Anthony Smith is streaking right now. You've got, you know, uh, you got other guys coming up in the division. Uh, Anka looks like a monster. He's got a big main event coming up with Tiago Santos. Um, I'm curious, Paul, your opinion. Who right now, in your opinion, is the biggest threat to take away the light heavyweight title from Glover Teixeira?
4: I think it's that Ankeliev. To be honest with you, I, I think every time we call his fight, we talk about either John Gooden, my because you know I've called a couple of his fights when, when we were overseas or doing Fight Islands, and that guy's special man. And, and to have that that fight with Paul Craig early on in his UFC career to lose like that, I feel like ever since then he's like, you know what, I'm going to tear through some dudes. Um, So I I, I think he's potentially a future champion, no matter who wins that belt. Um, Glover, I'm so glad that he had that moment, that he did that. And I'm not saying he's not going to potentially keep this belt for a little bit. But when that boy gets up there, it's going to be a problem. I mean, Rockets is out there who's a big, strong, dangerous, powerful mother effer at, at 205. Anthony Smith is another dude who's trying to get back into the mix, but I think Ann Kalayev is the guy that scares me the most at at 205 pounds. He's so well-rounded. He's got great wrestling. He's composed. He doesn't seem to ever be stressed out in any situations, except for when he was being triangled, obviously, but. And his striking front kicks to the face, good boxing, good kicking game. He's the whole package.
3: Yeah, see, my heart, I want to say it, it's Yuri Prohaska, but the problem is with Yuri, and I love Yuri. Yuri's such a wild man, and we saw it in the Reyes he fight. Gets, I mean, he got hit
4: too much is what he scares got, me about he him. Got, he, just, got, he, just, he got it.
3: mounted by Dominic Reyes, you know, and, and Dominic's a great. I'm not taking any away from Dominic. Dominic's a major advisor, but Glover is a monster on the ground. You let that guy mount you, you're not getting up. I mean, that's just it. So I think Yuri, as great as he is, and I think Yuri could, you know, put together a highlight reel knockout because that's what Yuri does. Course, he, he makes one he wakes makes one bad mistake with Glover to share, and Glover will make him pay and he will not get up again. And that's the danger in a fight like that. I agree with you. I was actually gonna I was actually gonna steal that answer. Ankelaev to me, you know, if he gets past Tiago Santos, that's the guy. And and I've been a big believer in Ankalaev, you know, since he came into UFC. I was again credit to Paul Craig for pulling up that and
0: I think he
4: will get past um that test. Yeah. I love Santos. I I think he's one of the most exciting, badass fighters that there is on the roster. I, I've always loved calling that guy's fights. I've called his fights over in Brazil. I mean, he, he's a stud, and to to do what he did with John Jones, with both knees just completely gone, but I don't know.
3: Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Uh, the next one, of course, like I said middle, middleweight. We've got Israel Adesanya fighting Robert Whitaker. I am going to throw this out there though, because we have the fight coming up between Jared Cannonier and Derek Brunson. I tell you what, I am so intrigued by blonde Brunson, as he calls himself now, the, the <laughs> run he's been on. I'm not saying he's going to beat Adesanya or Whitaker. Of course, he's still got to get through Cannonier. but I am fascinated by the run that Derek Brunson's on right now. And I'm really curious to see what he can continue to do in 2022. Again, no easy test getting past Jared Cannon here. But if he does, I'm really fascinated by either potential rematch against Adesanya or Whitaker.
4: Yeah. um, it, it, That this is another example of why I absolutely love the sport of mixed martial arts. These guys, you can count them out and they change a hair color and they win a fight and their confidence is back. They switched it up. And obviously we know it's not due to Brunson's, dyeing his hair blonde, but just committing a little more, changing his camp, going down to, to, to Florida more often and doing more in-depth in camps and not just training with whoever he can find that are dads that are doing jujitsu on the side when he was back home. And, and look at how he revamped his career and he's been on this win streak just beating these contenders. And, you know, he was being, I mean, you know, the UFC doesn't feed, everybody's like, oh, they're, they're feeding him to these young contenders. They're giving you an opportunity to prove that you're still the guy. And if you lose, then this is now the guy. Like, that's how the fight game works. When people are like, oh, they're just trying to get him out of there. It's like, no, they're, you You live, you know what I mean? King of the mountain, man. You win, move up. You lose, you move down. That's how the sport of mixed martial arts works. And Brunson has passed those tests. And now look at, now you 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 give him some bigger fights. You give him bigger opportunities. You give him those title um, eliminators and things like that. So, so happy for him. I've always liked Brunson. Uh, he always takes things in stride. He's got a good sense of humor most of the time. So to see him getting these big fights and kind man, savage called a bunch of his fights. He's a scary, dangerous, dangerous guy. Um, if he can get past blonde Brunson, I'd love to see him uh, get into the mix for the title shot. And I know uh, Izzy would love to fight him.
3: Yeah, I know it's a fight Izzy's wanted for a while now. Uh, the next division down, I got to be honest, Paul, this is probably the most intriguing question of any division out there, which is the champ, number one pound for pound in the world, Kamaru Usman, fighter of the year. I don't think anyone's going to really argue with that, what he did in 2021, Gilbert Burns, Jorge Masvidal, Colby Covington. It's hard to top that by anybody because most champions don't even fight three times a year. He went yeah. out there and beat three of the best welterweights you know, in the world. It looks like it's going to be Leon Edwards. We don't know that for sure. I've heard that Usman wants to take a little bit of a break, which I think he's fully earned with the busy year he had. Um, you know, Edwards seems to be the guy right now. And again, I say right now because we all know how the sport can change. Uh, of course, there's other guys out there. You know, we've seen Bilal Muhammad, your friend, your teammate. He's been on a great run, just, get a big, just got a big win, dominant win over Wonderboy, which is nobody beats Wonderboy that way, the way he did it. I mean, 30-25, wow. come on. Um There's other guys out there, but of course the big, you know, the big question right now, so to speak, is Hamzat Chemaev. You know, Hamzat is the guy. Everyone's talking, buzzing about Hamzat. Your guy, Sean Brady. I think more people need to talk about Sean freaking Brady. uh, Consider what he just did with Michael Chiesa. I am such a Sean Brady fan.
4: Not to mention what he just did over uh, this past weekend. Now, granted. In jiu-jitsu. There was some, uh, there was a few rule changes with the heel hooks so that uh, these UFC athletes could come down to Fury grappling for Cage Fury and and grapple and not have to worry as much about their knees. I mean, these guys are professional fighters, not just professional grapplers. Does it change things? One hundred percent, one hundred percent. But that doesn't mean that what Sean did on Saturday night is not beyond effing impressive. I mean, he went in there with arguably one of the what top two. Baddest grapplers on the entire planet and a big guy and a strong guy at that. It's not like he went in there against somebody who undersized for him. That's one of the best grapplers in the world. He went in there against a guy who's bigger than him, was able to stay in the guard, try to pass it, be active on top and not get submitted or swept. Now Craig couldn't roll for heel hooks and stuff like that. But obviously Sean's a fighter too. He's not ground and pounding. There's rule changes for both guys in that scenario. I think that was even more impressive for him. Well, I mean, the Michael Chiesa fight, obviously, rank-wise, and, and Mike's a veteran, he's been around, and Mike's been itching to fight for the belt for forever. So that win is huge. But what he did to Craig Jones and being able to go in there and not get submitted, stay on top, and win that, that, I think, got a lot more attention from the welterweights in the UFC than than even his fight with Chiesa, I would dare say.
3: Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree. So with that being said, Paul, I'm putting you on the spot here because one guy, of course, is your guy. We can't ignore the Chamaev out there. We can't ignore Leon Edwards out there. And and I I'm not gonna lie to you. I think Kamar Usman talent wise, you know, he doesn't have the, he doesn't have the title defenses yet. So I'm not gonna disrespect George St Pierre, but I think you know talent wise, Kamar Usman, in my opinion, could be the greatest welterweight of all time. So I don't know that anybody's gonna beat Kamar Usman. That being said, yeah, who is the biggest threat to Kamar Usman's title in 2022?
4: I think it's it's. I mean, it's one of these three guys for sure. We know that I, I I, think so. I mean, Leon. I really, really like Leon Edwards, and I think he deserves his title shot more than anybody. But I I, I think that's a win for Kamaro again. Um, I think it's going to take somebody that's a freak grappler and somebody that's just as strong him in those departments. And those two guys, to me, after what blow showed in his last performance against wonder boy and what Sean has shown throughout his career. I think it's one of those two guys in the future. I don't know. I don't think it's yet. And I, and I, I think Leon is the next guy and should be the next guy, but I think as far as somebody that's really going to challenge him in the future, I think it's one of them. And, uh, I hate to say, but I think those two guys are probably going to have to meet before that happens at some point or meet Shemaev, Um at some point. The three of them are all lingering. They're all winning fights. They, they've got to fight each other to figure out who's going to be next in line. Shemayev does not have anything booked, does he? Uh, no, he does not. He's got to fight one of these guys. I know Bully's been calling for it. He says he wants it. Give him the freaking fight or give Sean the freaking fight because – I know he's talking a lot right now. And, and listen, this, I don't want to fight him myself. I can tell you that right <laughs>
2: now
4: at so him, but you're not getting the title shot right now. So just accept that you stop talking about, Oh, I will just smash you. I'll just smash, then go do it and say yes to one of these guys that it has to happen. You have to fight one of these guys. You don't deserve the title shot yet. Even if we all agree right now that you're the best guy in the division, hands down, You've got to prove, first of all, to me and I'm sure to the UFC staff that you can actually make welterweight a little easier than you did the last time because that was – can I curse on here? Oh, yeah, yeah, you can. That was a a shit show. That was a shit show. I was in the room for those weigh-ins. And I'm not saying that he didn't make weight, but he was a mess. And then he's – you know, obviously, he tried to manipulate. They pulled the towel away. They made him go in the back. They made him come out and do it again. You've got to prove that you're you're a welterweight because you might be the future 85 pound champion, but you 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 gotta get that weight under control because he's so talented, but he's gotta beat some of these other guys that have been working.
3: Yeah, I agree. I like I like I'm a, i am you know, I think he's a, a monstrous talent, but yeah, you know, I said this on another show of mine earlier. I said Sean Brady's more accomplished than Chemaev. Yeah. So he's beating better guys. I mean, you know, and that's not he a knock on Chamayev. The-
4: <laughs> Yeah, he hasn't made the, the, the noise that Shemaev has had because, I mean, the way he came in, the way he fought back to back like that. But as and same with Bilal, as far as actually beating at dinners, Bilal just beat Damian Maya and then Wonderboy in a row. Sean goes out, beats all these guys, submits these dudes, has some highlight reel uh, guillotine choke, and then goes and beats somebody like Michael Kiesu, who's an absolute stud and has been on a tear in the, the division. That, that makes sense to me logistically now. Okay. You've got all of these contenders that are all lining up. You got to start matching them up. It, 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 it's, it's clear as day to me, or get Gilbert Burns involved. Who's he fighting? Get him in there with one of these guys, split them all up. That if you had Gilbert Burns into the mix, a guy who was recently challenged for the belt, didn't work out for him like that, but he's still one of the baddest dudes at welterweight. Okay. That's four guys right there. Shemiah, Brady bully and Burns. and we got luke
3: don't forget about luke Luke. Luke.
4: (laughs) maybe i take take my my statement back about which division the the welterweight division is is slowly rising to the top for one of the the best divisions in 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 the ufc for sure
3: yeah i'd actually called for sean to fight chamayev i thought that would be a great fight and and two guys but i'll be honest i love that balau has been calling for it you know, I talked to him last week, he called for, it. he wants it clearly, give him that, you know what I mean? And then let Brady, you know, maybe Brady gets Covington. I mean, I think that would be a really interesting matchup. You know what I mean? I think that would be a really interesting matchup because, you know, Colby, you, how would he do it against one a guy like of them, that?
4: Yeah, once you get one of them linked up, it opens up the matchmaking for, you've just got to commit and match one of them. And I'm sure Sean Shelby and these guys are doing that. I'm not saying they're not doing their jobs. They're probably trying to figure it out and get the fighters to agree, right? it's not as cut and dry as everybody thinks, Hey, um, you fight him, you fight him. And it's like, no, nah, I don't want to fight him. I want to fight him No, nah, I don't, I don't want to wait three. I don't want to fight him in April. I want to fight him in June. So it's, I mean, yeah. f- matchmaking is, uh, I, I don't envy those guys. Mick but and- as
3: you said, and I, I agree though, Chimaev, all the hype is there. He's got to beat Brady. He's got to beat. Burns, he's got to beat Bilal. He's got to beat one of those guys. Just one other guy, and, and, right? And then, and then we can say he's the real deal. And I don't like Lee yeah. Jing Liang very much. I think he's a very talented guy, but I've never—he's you know, he's never been a top guy. You go out and beat a Bilal Muhammad. Okay, yeah. I'm done. My questions are answered. You know, you beat Bil- yeah, Gilbert sure. Burns. Questions answered. You know what I mean? He's got to beat yeah. one of those guys, though. Sean Brady has beaten one of those guys. Michael Chiesa was one of those guys. Yeah. Chamaev doesn't have that win yet. He needs that win to prove he's one of those guys. So I, I agree, and I think it's got to be one of those kind of fights for him. Um.
0: We're this close to crowning an NBA champ. And with the action heating up on the court, it's even hotter at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get a no-sweat bet. Up to 1500 bucks if your first bet doesn't hit.
2: but together we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian Software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian.
3: Yeah, let's talk about your division, lightweight division. We mentioned it looks like it's going to be Charles Oliveira and Justin Gaethje. Of course, we know Makachev and Darius are out there. You know, Dustin Poirier, you never want to count him out. I mean, you know, no shame in losing to Charles Oliveira. Him coming back, Michael Chandler's out there. Um... In your opinion, Paul, who is the biggest threat to Charles Oliveira's title reign right now?
4: I mean, I am retired, so... um, Can't be me. Um, Man, I... It could be... Okay, I do think that Gaethje is a problem. But dare I say that I think somebody like Benil Daryush is actually more of a threat to his particular style because, and vice versa, like when Khabib was still around, I always said that I thought Charles would probably be one of the bigger threats to him because of his style, all right? And the way that he grapples and accepts bottom position, but is so dangerous from there. I think a guy like Charles, you've got to get somebody... But the way he ran through Tony was impressive. I, I yeah, I think the, I think Benil, I think Benil even more so than maybe Makachev, just because of he's going to re- try to wrestle him, and 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 Charles he has a way around those kind of exchanges. Same with Gaethje. If Gaethje just tries to stand and exchange with him, we saw how that works out. He has a he is decent striking now. He's powerful on the feet. And he can just wrap up your neck if you slip. It doesn't matter if you have great takedown defense against Charles Oliveira; he will find a way to your back. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a big hail mary out there and say that my my pick is Benil Daruse.
3: Yeah, I don't think you're wrong because while my gut says Justin Gaethje, if you're asking me to pick that fight right now, I'd say I pick Justin Gaethje to beat Charles Oliveira, but I don't have full confidence, just like the Dustin Poirier fight. Charles yeah. Oliveira is so good. You can't count him out. Benil Darius though, his jujitsu matches Charles Oliveira. Anyone that says his jujitsu isn't good has not watched Benil Darius grapple. That guy's oh a monster God. and his striking yeah. has gotten to another level lately. I mean, that guy's knocking people out left and right.
0: He and can knock he, him out. He can knock yeah. him
4: out he, for sure. He can knock him out. He's not, he's a South He's not afraid to stand. He's got great kicks and he's not afraid to bite down on his mouthpiece when the going gets tough. And now neither is Charles. I I, I would love to see that fight. I would love to see that fight. But again, I agree with you, Damon, too. where I'm not saying that Charles isn't going to go out there and, and maybe get an insane fight of the night or a knockout win as well. But if we're just talking, got to pick my pick, it got to talk about styles and threats. He's got the, he's got everything that could challenge somebody like Charles.
3: Yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with Gaethje only because if you're if you're nailing me down on a pick right now, who I'm picking, I I would still lean towards Gaethje to win. So I have to say Gaethje, because if I'm picking him to win, then he is the biggest threat to Charles' title. Even threat. even though even though I 100% will admit I don't have full confidence in that pick, but I will I will say that now. Let's go down to featherweight where Alexander Volkanovsky is the champion. He does not have a fight right now. Now it looks like it's going to be Max Holloway. Um, you will not find a bigger uh fan of Max Holloway in this world than myself. I love that guy. I personally thought he beat Alex the second fight, but again, close fight. You know, kudos. It looks like that's gonna be the fight. But let me throw you a little, let me throw you a curveball here, Paul, real quick, because you're calling this fight next weekend. Am I, I crazy was... Am I crazy no. and <laughs> am I crazy in thinking that if Giga Chikaze can beat Calvin Cater? and I think that is a fight he can win, that he might end up being the bigger threat. And the only reason I say that is because as much as Dana has said Max is next, and as much as I think we all believe Max Holloway is next, we know how rare it is for the UFC to ever book a trilogy when one guy has two wins over the other. We've seen this happen throughout time. Now, Max Holloway may be the exception to the rule, and, and I hope he is because I really do want to see that fight. But we also know the reality is it rarely happens, so maybe Max doesn't get the next shot. And in that case, I think Giga, I think Giga is on a roll right now, man. Like I just, I can't bet against that guy right now.
4: I I like him, man. I like his style a lot. I think he's he really evolving. Um, always working. He's really always working his his just overall MMA game and working the jujitsu and going to grappling tournaments and things like that. And I I know at Kings MMA that he's getting pushed to the limit. Those guys train legit over there. Um Yeah, I mean, I'd like that. I'd like to see some fresh blood g- get that that title shot. Again, I agree with you. I thought that second fight, I mean, in the moment, I remember thinking, you know, I'd have to go back and watch and I don't want to give any disservice or discredit to the champion. Um so I I won't talk about who I thought won or didn't win. He's the champ now and he looked phenomenal in his uh, last fight with ortega that was just such a sick fight but yeah i'd like to see that giga giga fight with the the striking my only problem with that one is i think that the well roundedness of volkanovsky can get through maybe some of those dangerous strikes and start to make it a a a grueling fight and a grappling match and use his wrestling so i would think he would win that i do still think that the biggest threat is is probably max holloway even though lost twice
3: max max is the biggest threat i might like i said my only worry is will he get to fight i think he should, you
4: I, know think he should I think he should there's so many other fights and you saw max is so he's so content with where he is and he knows what he's capable of he knows what he's done in this division that he's still winning fights he's still proving he's one of the best guys in the world i think if somebody gets in there before him and he's got to wait or go beat up somebody else or have fun in another crazy fight like he did against yair I mean, he might be upset, but I don't think it would be the end of the world for him. He kind—he seems to be really good lately at just letting things roll off. He seems to have his family life figured out. He's happy at home with his son and his, I believe, new wife, not just yeah. fiance. Yep. married. Yep. Things, I agree. things are good for Max Holloway right now.
3: Yeah, I agree. I agree. Now, we know Bantamweight is going to be Aljamain Sterling and Peter Jan. We don't know when. I've heard March, maybe April. Assume that gets booked. So here's a little little sideways question that I'm not going to ask who's the biggest threat, because thankfully it's champion versus champion right now, interim versus current champion. In your opinion, Paul, at the end of 2022, who is Bantamweight champion?
4: Jan. Piotr Jan. Yeah. Yeah. I got to agree with you. I think he's... and again, we know how this is. And, I, and, and, and as always, I mean, this is our job to talk about these things. I don't mean any disrespect to any of these fighters, but I've seen that guy live, feet away from me in action against a guy like Corey Sandhagen. Um, and, and the stock that he takes, the notes that he takes throughout the fight, the adjustments that he makes on the fly as the fight continues on is something I've never seen before for a fighter to be that loose and in the action, in the moment to be making reads that will then further better his chances as the fight goes on second to none. Yeah. He it takes sees a- it and he gets hit with things and then he doesn't get hit with those things in the second round. Then by the third round, he's shutting that down and sweeping you off of it. By the fourth round, he's knocked you down with a counter off of it. And by the fifth, he's in complete control of the fight.
3: It's crazy. I mean, to do what he did to Corey Sandhagen, who I was, you know, banging the drum saying I thought this guy was going to be the next champion. I thought he beat T.J. Yeah. Dillashaw. Absolutely, no offense to yeah, T.J. Dillashaw. Thought he won that me fight. Uh, I was like, man, this is this could be the fight. And then you know, Peter goes out there and has a bit of a rough first round, and then he gets he gets he gets better. It's ridiculous the way he just kept getting better round after round. Like by the fifth round, you're like. Corey's got to pull a rabbit out of the hat here. He can't win by decision. He's got to fight. And, and I, it's ridiculous. And I love Aljamain Sterling. I think he's a monster. Doesn't get nearly the respect he deserves. But I have a hard time picking against Peter Yan. against him, against Dillashaw, against Sanhagen, against Aldo. We already saw that. I mean, I just, Peter Yan, man, that guy, I, I was, I'll be the first to admit coming out of going into the Aldo fight and coming out of the Aldo fight, I said, ah, he gets hit a little bit too much. I was like a little worried. You know, how does he do? I'm sold now. I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm, on, I'm on the Peter Jan bandwagon. I'm not even going to lie about it.
4: Um, I, I was similar uh, to be honest with you. I was similar. And, and that fight in particular, the Aldo fight where I was like, mm, I don't know, man. Aldo had a lot of success. He yada, yada, but, that, that, that Corey Sandhagen fight. And, and I thought Corey looked good. He was prepared. And, and I am, I am a humongous Corey Sandhagen fan as well. So when I got to call that and see that happen in front of me and, and Sandhagen one of those strikers. And as somebody who was a big striker myself, when I fought, I have like idols and, and people I look up to and I want to be as smooth as them. He's one Sergio Pettis is another one. And man, to see him get shut down now, Piotr Jan is one of my guys where I'm like, I wish I could be as smooth and just as calculated and and, and taking notes during a fight like he does. It's it's crazy.
3: Yeah. So we know going down to flyweight, we already have the title fight coming up in a couple of weeks between uh, Brandon Moreno and Devison Figueredo. Very much looking forward to that trilogy. We know it's going to be Asker Asker off against Kai Kara France later this year, probably a number one contenders fight. That's fantastic. So that division will kind of take it out of there. At women's bantamweight, we know it's probably going to be Amanda Nunez and Juliana Pena again. What a tremendous rematch that's going to be. I've said for years, and, Paul, you can feel free to disagree with me, I, You know, and this is not taking anything away from Juliana Pena. I think Juliana Pena approached that fight with the kind of confidence you have to have to beat Amanda Nunez, and that was huge for her. But I've said for years, the only thing that's going to beat Amanda Nunez is her own complacency, and I think, in my opinion— she went in thinking, I'm just going to, I'm going to destroy Juliana Pena. And then Juliana Pena is like, Oh no, you're not. <laughs> and, and she took her. So I can't sit here and say with a, with a clear head, Amanda Nunes is going to win that rematch. I just can't say that, but we also know that's the next fight. And then yeah. at flyweight, you got Valentina Shevchenko, in my opinion, the number one pound for pound women's fighter in the world. Now, I'm going to throw this name out there because I think she's going to be a next, which is Talia Santos. She had a big win over Joanne, Joanne Wood in her last fight. I believe four-fight win streak. Beat Roxanne Modaferi. Impressive win there as well. Absolutely nothing against her. But if you're asking me my que- the question of who's the biggest threat, and I don't mean any disrespect, Paul, nobody. I don't think anybody is out there right now at 125 pounds to beat Valent- Valentina Shevchenko. I will say this. I love what Minot Furiott has brought, and I love Casey O'Neal, but they're yeah. still several fights away from challenging. So maybe 2023, we could mention them. But 2022? I, I, yeah. Nobody. I, I can't see I, anybody beating Valentina Shevchenko.
4: That's the problem right now is I think there's quite a few contenders like you just mentioned right there who will, if given enough time, could be the next biggest challenge but yeah you're right this year no no she's levels above and it takes years to close those gaps and maybe that let the, the the title holder age a little bit or like you even talked about get a little complacent but she's not right now and she's one of those women that she doesn't do anything else crazy she doesn't have some crazy family she she travels she like drinks tea (laughs) <laughs> and she beats women's asses. That's, that's what she does. And she shoots guns. So I don't see her going anywhere either. Um, now again, right. We could be eating our own words and whenever she fights, but if we're talking this year, I, I not yet. And, and Manel, uh, the French girl, I thought she was really good too, but yeah, she's not ready. Like I saw that last fight. I thought she was throwing too many of the same combos over and over again. You, you do that against Shevchenko, and you're just going to get knocked out. Even as powerful as you are, however good your karate is, you go out there and throw that same Russian that, like this, and, and no matter what power is behind it, she is going to figure that out and smoke you. Just that, that's just it. She might smoke me, and I'm <laughs> probably 50 pounds heavier than that woman.
3: Yeah, Valentina is a monster. You could argue, like I said, I think you, you could argue it's her and Kamaru like who is really the best pound-for-pound fighter in all of mixed martial arts. I think you got to put Valentina in that conversation because she, cause yeah. she did it at Bantamweight, too. That's not her weight class. You know, she came within a round of beating Manda Nunez and, and she beat yeah. Juliana Pena. She has a win over the current ship. Uh yeah. It's ridiculous. Uh, of course, Straw Weight, we also know what's probably going to come next. It's going to be Rose against uh, Carla Sparza. I'm actually really intrigued by that rematch. Uh, I think Mm. stylistically Carla could be a very tough matchup for Rose. So I'm actually really looking forward to that one. Uh, so that's a great rematch. Uh, Paul, before I get you out of here, I went on Twitter before we talked and I asked the fans for their boldest predictions for 2022. So I'm going to throw out a couple of these at you and I want you to give me your opinion. I won't keep it much longer, but I got a couple good ones here. And I want to throw him it. out there. Now, one subject we haven't talked about, maybe the 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 X factor, so to speak, is John Jones. We know John Jones is gonna he wants to fight a heavyweight. He's been preparing for it for over a year. It's been you know over a year. Now he's coming in where it looks like you know, this year is gonna be his time. We assume hopefully his contract situation. He figures that out with the UFC. But one bold prediction I got from a user on Twitter said john jones does not fight this year now i would love to disagree with that but i can't say for sure because you know we just don't know but i'm gonna say hypothetically he will i will i i believe he will fight this year he got his legal issues it seems like out of the way i'm not saying it's right or wrong what happened i'm just saying like it looks like he's not you know his his legal situation has been closed with that situation in vegas as long as the contract thing gets figured out, I think he will fight this year. But what do you think? Do we see John Jones in 2022?
4: Man, I don't know. Uh, I, I'm i starting to agree with this, this Twitter person because like what's, what's the holdup? Like what's the contract issue? What are we asking for? And uh, you know, what's the relationship like right now with the UFC? So Man, I don't know. I don't think we will. You don't think so? No, I, I, I think there's a lot of talk, you know, and tweeting and all that kind of stuff. It's all well and good, man, but just what's going on? Where are you training? Who are you training with? What's your team like right now? There's been the feud with Jacksons. Does he have a home base? Is he just training out of his home gym right now? That's still all got to be figured out. Again, I hope uh, differently, but you, you, I, I, you think. Know, I, You'd I lean think, more towards no than yes.
3: Yeah, you'd think if there was something that was going to draw John back, it would have been as soon as Francis knocked out Stevie to become champion, John would have been, like, banging on Dana White's door saying, give me that fight, because that's the biggest fight. Yeah, that's the biggest fight he could have, and that's the title fight he wants, and we know Francis wants that fight. You know what I mean? Like, But, again, I, I, I lean towards him fighting only because once the legal stuff got out of the way, I'm going to, you know, hope. That, you know he gets back in there and, and maybe fights the winner of francis and and surreal gone maybe but yeah, uh, yeah i don't i i don't disagree with you though i <laughs> it's kind of like the uh, gage olivera thing like if you're asking me to put my money on it, i'm probably not gonna put my money on it i'll say i think he's gonna fight maybe that's wishful thinking because i want to see john jones back but you know we're coming up on two years it's kind of crazy february will be two years since we've seen him fight
4: yeah yeah that's why i'm like i, I don't know what's going to change this year i know the Legality of it all, but before that, it was even getting drug out. So I'm not sure.
3: Yeah, An, a, another bold prediction. Now this one is a, is a little controversial, and and I know it's gonna be a tough one to answer because we know what's been going on behind the scenes with Francis in the UFC. They've seemingly been at a little bit of odds over his contract. We know he is coming up on the last fight of his deal. One bold prediction a Twitter user made was Francis Ngannou will not be a UFC fighter. By the end of twenty twenty two, what do you say?
4: Um, I, I, I think he will be. Um, I, I, I can't see the UFC letting him walk away. I know Dana recently mentioned that he he uh, he ran into Francis and they had a conversation and got to the bottom of some some of the confusion of what was going on. But no, I'm gonna I'm gonna say we keep Francis. I'm going to say that we're keeping UFC keeps Francis. Hopefully. Yeah. I'm hopeful for, for selfish reasons. I hope we keep him. I, I mean, it's a guy you want to keep around. You want to keep a guy like Francis and Gano under, under your umbrella for sure.
3: I said this earlier today and I truly believe it. I said, when it comes to the superstars, you know, the guys are the girls who are going to build pay-per-views over the next, you know, five years, four or five years, you know, we got Connor, but Connor's in a bit of a weird situation. Now a couple losses, broken leg, of course, when he comes back, it's going to be a big moment. But again, at some point you got to win. And you know, if Connor loses his next fight, you know, I'm not saying people won't tune in to watch him, but you got to win. I mean, that's just the reality of it, but you got him. I think Israel Adesanya is a massive star. I think he's a guy. And I think Francis Ngannou's the other guy. I think if you're going to build around a champion around a marketable champion, Francis is that guy. I really hope him and the UFC can come to terms and figure things out. And I think they will only because of this. I know Francis has talked about going into boxing and things like that. And I don't begrudge anyone having dreams of doing other things. I get it. But, and I have nothing against Bellator. I have nothing against PFL. I have nothing against anybody else out there. If Francis and guy who wants to make the most money, be the biggest star and, and, and do, and raise awareness to the issues that he, they're important to him, all these kind of things the UFC is the place to be, you know what I mean? And, and he's yeah. not going to, he's not going to fight John Jones in, in Bellator. He's not going to fight, you know, Stepe in a trilogy in PFL. If he wants those legacy kind of fights, it's going to be in the UFC. I think they get a deal done. I just, I have a hard time believing that at the end, if, if I know Dana jokes about this, and then you can all talk about Dana. When Dana says, I can get a deal done with Tito Ortiz, I can get a deal done with anybody. I truly do believe that because people don't remember how badly he wore with Tito Ortiz. If he can oh, make yeah. a deal with that guy, he
4: can make a deal with anybody. They were going to have a, a fight. You remember that? <laughs> oh, yeah. When they were going to do the boxing match thing. Oh yeah, it was crazy. You know, I remember. I remember that from way back, man. I was like, oh, and then it just never happened. I was like, what? I I invested in this thing for this long, and you guys aren't even gonna fight.
3: Yeah, I have a hard time believing it. All right, last one. Now this is the most. This might be the 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 biggest one. Biggest bold prediction. Are you ready? I'm ready. Paul Felder headlines the UFC card in 2022. Now I'm not lying. It's on Twitter. So put it out there.
4: <laughs> there are so few circumstances that, that that can happen. Like let's, let's mull it over for real for me to come back. Who am I? First of all, to come back and I'm headlining is massive. Um, yeah i just don't see who that who that could be against and where that could be i mean it would have to be i don't see me coming back to headline at like the apex um nothing against the apex or the u f c or fighting it's just i've moved on and uh yeah it would ha- i mean it would have to be something insane that i couldn't turn down and uh i don't see that happening in twenty twenty i
3: i i do i'm gonna disagree with you paul Felder i'm gonna disagree <laughs> And I'm gonna say, here's here's my bold prediction. Everyone's asking for my boldest prediction. Here's my yes. boldest prediction. Are you ready? I'm ready. Paul Felder versus Conor McGregor, <laughs> International Fight Week in July. There's my bold prediction. What do you think?
4: I love it, but but even that, right? Let's let's say Conor decides for some reason he wants to come back. He wants to fight me. He just wants to get a w he doesn't want to try to fight the rankings he hates me for some reason he wants to <laughs> be, yeah. let's say that all happens where are we headlining anything you know what i mean like for us to be a five round main event in vegas it's got to be non-title fight i mean the ufc can make anything happen for for connor let's let's be honest right I and mean, they'll make a a fight night just the two of us if it had to but yeah i don't know man uh that's probably about it right and it's not even that i'm like everybody comes at me when i mentioned it on other interviews where i'm like there's like one scenario where i come back and it's it's to fight him for some huge fight and it's because i mean as much as we all love hate him whatever you want to say about him the guy is the money fight i mean he jokes about the red panty night and it's like yeah (laughs) You're not insulting me fans when you're like, you just want that paycheck. It's like, yeah, 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 I do. Do you, do you go to work and and not want your check at the end of the week? You idiots. Like, yeah, of course I want to make a million dollars or more than that, you know, but Hey, Damon, for your sake, I hope you're right, buddy.
3: (laughs) There's my bold prediction. Uh, Paul, I I truly mean it. Like I said before, you become one of the best commentators in the game. Keep up the great work, whether you fight again or not, in all seriousness, uh, keep doing what you're doing because you you really do you bring so much to the broadcast and uh, and I, I just keep doing what you're doing, man. I appreciate doing this, spending some time with me today to break down what what's going to happen in 2022. I uh, can't wait to see you in hacks again. Uh, all the other yeah. things you're doing, triathlete, all this. Also, one last thing I want to mention to you before I let you go. I mentioned this to Bilal Muhammad during his fight, and I put it on Twitter. And I know you're not like huge on on social media, uh. I said the the guy who was chanting USA USA during Bilal Muhammad's fight, and you said Bilal's from Chicago, you idiot. Uh, yeah. I think that might be the quote of twenty twenty one. I was crying, and I put it on Twitter, and I said this. I said I said Paul Paul Felder deserves a fifty thousand dollar bonus for that comment alone because that made my entire event.
4: You know. That just really pissed me off. And it's like, well, and then people came at me they're like, he's got a Palestinian flag. And I'm like, how many other fighters from the United (laughs) States have come out with where their parents are from or where their families are from, or have dual flags where they want to represent their heritage and the United States. It's like, you just have to do three seconds of research to know, or or I'm sorry, listen to Bruce Buffer, make the announcements when they say fighting out of Chicago. I mean, It drives me nuts. And Bilal's about as American as you can get when you actually sit down and have a conversation with the dude. Just because he's repping his movement and what he wants over his his heritage and his family back home, it's like, don't don't get it twisted. The dude's from Chicago. He grew up in Chicago. His parents own a shop in freaking Chicago. And he's fighting, of course, Wonder Boy, the most white guy-looking person you can imagine. (laughs) And there's a guy chanting USA, and I'm not going to think it's racism. Come on, get out of here. But I was I'm uh glad you
3: appreciate it. I did, and like I said, I wish Dana would have given you a fifty grand bonus for that. Cause I was <laughs> like, too. that was that was that was that was that was, the, that was the best that was the best comment of the night. I was like, oh my gosh, I was like, they need to they need to break off uh Paul a little check for that one because that totally made my night. So thank you for that, Paul Felder. Uh thank you. keep up the great work, Paul. Thank you so much again for spending the time doing this, and uh hopefully we can do it again in the future.
4: Yeah, man, anytime, man. Just just hit me up or hit Butler up and uh we'll we'll get it squared away.
3: Absolutely, Paul. I appreciate it. We'll talk soon, okay?
4: All right, man. Thank you, bud.
3: Bye-bye. There you
4: go. The
3: Irish Dragon, Paul Felder, one of the best in the game. Could not ask for a better co-host for the week. For Fighter vs. Riders, we previewed 2022. If you've got bold predictions, something I didn't get to in the show, send them to me. At Damon Martin on Twitter, hit me up. I'll talk about them on next week's show. we got a lot more planned for Fighter vs. rider in 2022. Want to say a big thank you to everyone that tuned in for uh, our debut shows in 2021 and we got a lot more planned in 2022 want to say a huge thank you to paul felder for being on the show i uh, really do appreciate that make sure you check us out on all of your favorite podcast platforms apple podcast spotify uh and of course over on mmafighting.com we will see you guys next week for another edition of the fighter versus the rider thanks for tuning in and we'll see you then
1: Bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co bball for eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
0: Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets.